Hello, and welcome to Antibodies, the immunology podcast where we not only teach you important concepts in immunology, but also help you understand developing trends in the field. My name is Natalie from the City of Hope Comprehensive Cancer Center, and today we'll be dipping our toes into a little bit of cancer immunology. I'm guessing you've heard of cancer. Um, Cancer is generally considered to be the uncontrollable growth of your own cells. Every day, just from living, our DNA gets damaged a lot. Some of these things you know about from exposure to things like the sun, alcohol, asbestos, your favorite carcinogen here, but also from everyday things that we can't help encountering. Like sometimes your DNA replication machinery will accidentally run into your RNA transcription machinery, which sounds like a design flaw to me, but whatever, because we also have these amazing DNA repair mechanisms to patch the damage. However, sometimes that repair doesn't go so well and that results in mutations in our DNA. These mutations are random and most are totally harmless. Um, However, you will accrue naturally more over the course of your life. And in the case of cancer, constantly accruing mutations will eventually cause excessive proliferation. And because the mutations can be almost anywhere in the genome, all sorts of other changes in the cell's behavior. Cancer is not one single disease. It is a heterogeneous class of diseases that kind of act in a similar way, but the molecular mechanisms governing every person's individual cancer is completely unique to them. This makes cancer insanely difficult to treat. Luckily for us, we all have an arsenal against cancer hidden inside of us right now, if we can just mobilize it against the right enemy. I'm here to tell you why cancer is an immune disease. The immune system evolved to balance its responses against antigen. On one side of the scale, the inflammatory response can be fast, vast, and incredibly effective at not only eradicating threats, but making sure they never come back again. Unfortunately, most immune strategies are destructive to both the outside invader and the infected host. For example, the reason your throat gets scratchy during a viral infection is because all the infected cells in your throat were killed by your own immune system, so that's what's leaving your throat so raw and painful. Similarly, the immune system can be trained against the body it was sworn to protect, resulting in autoimmunity. For example, people with mutations in their FOXP3 genes suffer from a profound systemic autoimmunity, and that's because they just can't temper immune reactions without their regulatory T-cells. On the other side of the scale, to prevent against autoimmunity and collateral damage, the immune system has evolved many, many anti-inflammatory cell types and regulatory programs. The purpose of this side of the immune system is to down-regulate excessive and off-target responses. You don't want your soldiers hanging around after the battle, right? Of course, this side of the scale must also be carefully balanced. Too heavy of control can result in infection. And sometimes the immune system will even have to eradicate some of your own cells to keep yourself healthy. In theory, you're probably developing cancer multiple times a day, but because you have a highly highly evolved immune system that can detect and eliminate any cells that start getting out of control, uh, you take care of them. Failure of this system to identify and eradicate uh, transformed cells can result in cancer taking over, and this is something we call immune evasion. And I know what you're thinking, though. This is great news. The immune system actually does and can kill cancer, and it does it all the time. Moreover, it's specific to your unique snowflake of a cancer. Let's just boost the immune system to make it do that, and maybe we won't have so much cancer. 
Well, hold on there, because cancer also evolves to take advantage of the same anti-inflammatory systems that are in place to protect your body from the immune system. That's right, cancer evolves. It's constantly randomly mutating and proliferating, just like bacteria or some animal out in the wild. Uh, Kind of interestingly, tumors can be pretty faithfully modeled if you think of them like populations of critters subjected to selective pressures like predation, you know, from the immune cells who are trying to kill them. Cancer survives partially because it is mutating to avoid death by immune cells. Continuing with the predation metaphor, cancer cells can camouflage. Cancer will often mutate proteins on its surface to avoid surveillance by immune cells. This means that the immune system doesn't have one good antigen to look for and identify all bad guys. Think about it. How could you find specific antigens that are on the entire tumor, but not anywhere else on the body? Again, here balance is key. You wouldn't want to leave any tumor cells, not even one behind, because then it could just grow and make a new tumor. But you also don't want to nuke the body because, you know, you live there. Because of the ever-evolving surface of cancer cells, identifying the cells to kill is a huge problem for both your own immune system and the human scientists that are trying to make effective therapeutics. Other mutations on cancer cells that provide a survival advantage help to tell the immune system to calm down. In, say, a normal acute infection, proteins like PDL1 bind directly to T cells to reduce their proliferation, cytokine production, and survival. These anti inflammatory proteins evolve to protect against excessive immune damage. But now, in, in a cancerous situation, the tumor is actually hijacking this system to lie to T cells, saying, hey dude, I'm cool, there's no problem here, you don't have to kill me. Many also regulate MHC class 1, which is the molecule that could potentially show surveying T cells that the tumor cell is not behaving normally. And it's also the molecule that would allow a CD8 positive T cell to kill that tumor cell. Tricky, tricky, tricky. Moreover, that tumor, the large chunk of cells formed by rapidly proliferating cancer cells, creates its own microenvironment that is treacherous to immune cells just trying to do their job. So for one, there's a physical environment. Because the tumor is just expanding haphazardly without a plan, there's typically not good access to oxygen for all the cells. Like if you were to take you know, certain types of tumors, crack them open, there's often a large black mass of necrotic cells in the middle. And those are cancer cells that straight up suffocated to death because there was no kind of vasculature going on into the tumor to give them oxygen. And we call this a hypoxic environment because there's low oxygen. Now, of course, tumors can grow vasculature in a process called angiogenesis, but that's for another day. Um, in order to grow more quickly, cancer cells also often switch metabolically um, to preferentially use glucose, and this is something we call the Warburg effect. Uh, something you may have also noticed is that tumors are physically hard, like the cell morphology has changed from whatever that cell used to be in the first place to something that's a little bit less flexible than before. And um, you know, the adhesion molecules are also mutated in many cases. So now you have a region of the body that has low oxygen, uh, you have cells that are sponging glucose, and it's harder to physically infiltrate. Unfortunately, an effective immune response requires a lot of oxygen, a lot of glucose, and easy access to problem areas. And I hear you, this microenvironment doesn't sound very good for the tumor either. Well, listen, 
This tumor is growing indiscriminately like a chaos gremlin into the void of destruction. There is no thinking of the future, no care for the rest of the cellular population, just unfettered growth at any cost. Meanwhile, your immune cells are precision machines, highly evolved, highly educated, and unfortunately, therefore a little bit more sensitive to the disruptions that a tumor might be able to tolerate. How can you destroy someone with nothing to lose? But guess what? The microenvironment is, is really tough for a lot of other reasons. Try as they might, at some point, cancer cells will mutate into a highly defective monster that is hard to miss, especially if it's all in one solid tumor. As the cells grow and die, and as their mechanisms inside get more janky, cancer cells will begin bumping out, uh, burping out tons of antigens. Sometimes it's free nucleotides from seriously defective DNA repair mechanisms. Sometimes it's other damage-associated molecular patterns from dying cells. But either way, the tumor will begin to attract lots of immune cells. The tumor will eventually grow into a pretty heterogeneous population of cells with tons of immune cells, stromal cells, and tumor cells themselves. One of the hallmarks of the tumor microenvironment is actually excessive inflammation, even though it doesn't look like the immune system is doing a ton of killing there as effectively as it could. So why is that? And this is where we start to get into the microenvironment weeds. Some cancer spell, uh, cells will mutate to spew chemokines that attract more anti-inflammatory cell types, like Tregs. Some cancer spell cells will spew anti-inflammatory cytokines, like IL-10 and TGF-beta. However, something else interesting happens. Quite a lot of the time, highly inflammatory and effective immune cells cruise into a tumor like a valiant knight and end up an ineffective zombie, while others change completely into a more anti-inflammatory cell type. This happens to macrophages, NK cells, ILCs, even some flavors of granulocytes, but um, I think in the interest of time, I want to tell you about T cells, also because that's an active area of investigation that many people are interested in. So T cells. When they sense disaster, say, in response to an acute infection, the effector T-cells will proliferate and do their little T-cell job either as a helper or a killer until the antigen load decreases. And then over time, the number of T-cells will slowly decrease and a handful will remain as a self-renewing population of what we call memory T-cells. They're hanging on for the next time you see that antigen. However, in both the case of a chronic infection or in cancer, where the threat just keeps increasing or kind of stays at a high level where this antigen load never really goes away, the T-cells will actually differentiate into a totally different kind of cell. So this war-torn T-cell isn't really that great at doing its T-cell job. It's less functional, though some may still have some function. It proliferates less or not at all, although some may proliferate a little, and its surface is full of inhibitory, anti-inflammatory receptors. Have you ever been burned out before? If you have, you know what it's like to be an exhausted T-cell. These guys have seen so much antigen for so long that they aren't nearly as destructive or helpful as they once had the potential to be. This conversion to exhaustion probably evolved to protect the body from excessive immune responses during chronic low-grade infections, but in cancer, this is a serious problem. We identify exhausted T-cells by their expression uh, of surface inhibitory markers like PD-1 and CTLA-4. If you inhibit these inhibitory markers, 
the T cells are actually temporarily reinvigorated and they'll go back to doing their job for like a little while. This discovery of so-called checkpoint inhibitors won Jim Allison and Tasuku Hanjo the Nobel Prize, and it marks the beginning of something we call cancer immunotherapy. By treating patients with checkpoint inhibitors, T-cells will wake up from their trance and get to killing. However, like I mentioned, this reinvigoration is temporary. A very active uh, area of cancer research right now is learning how exactly T-cell exhaustion occurs, whether it is fully reversible, and how to boost anti-tumor immunity in conjunction with existing immunotherapies. Check out another monologue by Tanu from October 2021, where she does a great job of discussing a combination therapy for breast cancer. If I haven't brought the point home yet, cancer is a gnarly and unpredictable disease that stumps the immune system. Many cancer centers now focus on how to enhance the immune system as a potential cure for all cancers. Think about it. All cancers may be unique, which makes them almost impossible to design a good drug for that would work for every individual. But inside you, right now, you have a system that evolved to destroy cancer, that evolved to create made-to-order custom solutions for any problem it could ever encounter. Some potential therapeutics you may hear about or want to research include checkpoint inhibitors, of course, as I mentioned, uh, CAR T-cells, and cancer vaccines. Researchers have got a long road ahead and plenty of hurdles along the way, but just like cancer and just like our immune system, the science is always evolving. Thanks for another great year sticking around with antibodies. Hopefully your scientific exploits don't have you too exhausted. It may be winter break, but we have tons of great stuff on the horizon for you, including more informative 101s, deep dive discussions with the hot shots in the field, and as always, lots of spicy, spicy immunology memes. For our audience, if you are interested to know more about our science communication endeavors, please check out antibuddies.org. You can find our blogs, journal clubs, and podcasts there. If you have any questions or suggestions, you can email us at antibuddies1 at gmail.com. With that, I am your host, Natalie, signing off until we meet again. Happy holidays and happy new year from Antibuddies.